0: Welcome back to Strange New Show. Keith and Mike watch Star Trek Strange New Worlds. Today, we are talking about Season 1, Episode 2, Children of the Comet. Mike, how you doing, buddy? Keith, I have to say, you made a joke a
1: a week ago. I guess we've only done one more. And you said, are you going to be able to refrain from singing in the opening? Mm -hmm. And I got to tell you, it's very difficult. Because that is an absolute banger you made. And I am going to... I'm gonna to continue to credit you until I can do so no longer.
0: Okay. Well, I I, I appreciate I appreciate both of those things. Uh, so we'll uh, you know we'll 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 see. So uh, last week we did the pilot of strange new show. Uh, it was really really fun. Nice to have folks check it out. We very much appreciate that. And uh, if you haven't already, and you decided to come back. For episode two, thank you very much. Um, and uh, you can subscribe here on YouTube. This is also available in your ear holes, just on the podcast feed of your choice. So you can find us there as well. Uh, yeah, so um, we're gonna talk about the uh, the next episode. I can't believe. Do you
1: know what happened on the first episode, Keith? You failed to mention. For mm, those of you that? who are uh, new to the KM empire, <clears throat> we manifested, we manifested we sure commercial did. goods. Uh, we 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 combined for just a, t- a terrible joke uh ed, ed, especially on this eve of of people being found liable for sexual <laughs> sexual aggression and abuse Keith and I made a joke about grabbing by the bezorp yep and uh friend of the show's Z uh, plural JD makes put it on Zazzle he made a he made a t-shirt Keith we are gonna put a link in the show we'll notes because a, you we'll... should support JD for sure
0: that's right. I mean, it cost uh, it cost him five million. It only cost you about 25 bucks. Totally, yeah. totally worth we it. We
1: both have them on the way, so make sure to get yours. It is it is funny.
0: Yeah, for sure. All right, well, uh, speaking of people who are incredibly supportive of our show and the KM Empire, which includes, if you don't know, if you're new. Uh, We do a version of this with Deep Space Nine. We're well into season three. We also do a show entirely about Star Trek toys. You can Mm -hmm. check out NK&M Geekly, where we talk about nonsense. And uh, we do it so much that these amazing people choose to support us every month. Mike, who are our patrons? Keith, we are forever indebted to Bryant Kimball Beersock, Brian
1: Kaufman, Casey Clark, Jason Mo Moa, Bren Joshua, thanks for the figs. Andrew Hayes, Jorge Novoa, and the Mysterious. And how you been? Haven't heard from you in a minute. Worf's big old boot shivs. Richard Coleman, thanks for the discourse on the YouTubes. Always a pleasure having a conversation. Charles Babbage, CRM Productions. Nikolay Ivanovich-Lobachevsky. Thanks for siring just one heck of a dude. At Grim <laughs> underscore Toys. Uh, I love me some punctuation and some, and some just wing wingdings remember that te- remember that font Keith? Uh, I sure do I sure uh, d- do delusions at noon and those who have braved the united postal service to send us things jd makes colin dagan chris mitchell at crm and of course never least
0: but always last pat oh I, we need to add we need to add josh to uh, to our, our creators list
1: that's true that i'm going i'm
0: going i'm going to catch that next week and update it so uh Thank you so much. Uh, up on the Patreon.com slash k You can find all sorts of bonus episodes, including watching Mike watch Deep Space Nine and watching Mike watch Strange New Worlds. You get to see his reactions. We got casual today. We got casual. The, we sat on the floor. Oh, okay. Because I wanted well, to watch
1: on the big screen. So I, I look,
0: set up my whole system on the, on the floor. It was great. Someone's excited to see that. So, uh... <laughs> But you can definitely see that. Uh, you can see his reactions of watching these episodes for the very first time right there on his face. And a whole bunch of other nonsense that you can find. So now it is time to uh, adjudicate some ratings from last week's episode. Strange New Worlds, right? The, it's the pilot. Um, hey, wait. And s- yes? Wait. One more thing. Friends of the channel. Um...
1: Coming up very shortly is one of our birthdays, and it's not mine. And so I encourage you to start sending your best wishes to Keith and Mike Entertainment at gmail.com for Keith's next circumnavigation. Or better yet, can you manifest the most freakish custom toy ever made? Send that over too, but send it to me. Reach out at me, Keith and Mike Entertainment at gmail.com for your happy birthday wishes to Keith. Whatever you want to send, I will make sure it finds its way. The internet.
0: <laughs> wow. Uh, I've never thought we needed a lawyer before, but uh, I might have to reach out to my lawyer on that one. I'm my so goodness. serious.
1: Okay, go ahead. Run the show. Wow. I'm sorry.
0: Okay, so last week's viewer ratings, uh, only a couple this week because we're not in the habit yet. So, all those people who commented on last week's episode who didn't give us a rating for strange new worlds uh we we want your numbers but here's what we got uh now i gave it an 88 you gave it a 78 jason moe gave it a 93 jd gave it a 75 it all averages out to an 84 which means i win because 84 is closer to actually it's right in the middle between 88 and 78 so you're right so it's a bee. so it is a tybee all right so i think it is time to talk about the second ever episode of strange new worlds yes which it is keith it is you ready <clears throat> yep that's the button which there's the button which airs uh aired on may 12th i keep i keep saying 19 because we've been doing so many episodes of everything that were is always the 90s may 12th 2022 20, so literally a year ago Literally, almost, yeah. It's we're recording this on May tenth, so yes. Yeah, but it will air on May twelfth. That's right. Literally a year ago. Wow, guys, think back. Where were you exactly a year ago? Well, so I'll if we, we stay on what, schedule, it should be
1: we should air each episode a year to the day.
0: Wow, Math, that, that buddy. Woo! That reeks of a level of competence that we that has nothing to do with us. But uh, so I don't know what you were doing a year ago, but I can tell you what you were listening to. I can't wait to hear it, Mike. Oh, no. It was "Wait for You." It was Future featuring Drake and Thames. Uh, I couldn't even <laughs> venture a guess as to what that is. Well, you're gonna have to make up, Mike. And you Negrios. gotta wait, wait for, for you, you, wait
1: for you, wait for you, wait for you, wait for you, rewind, wind, wind, wind. <laughs> I don't know. That was a Hamilton joke, but it didn't—it didn't really see its way there. <laughs> please, please go somewhere else.
0: Mike, Mike, is there any chance you'd like to rewind, wind, wind the last thirty seconds? Oh when?
1: yeah, I would actually. Understand.
0: Well, you know who could help you do that? What's that? Doctor Strange in the top movie in the multiverse of madness in its second week, pulling in uh, merely sixty-one million dollars. Uh, pretty impressive. So uh, that's what was going on a year ago. You wanna know what was going on 21 years ago in the weekly world news headlines, hard-hitting news. There is a survival TV show called Cannibal Island where the players are the food. I would watch the shit out of that. I don't think we're that far from this show being a real thing. Uh, uh, Definitely not. Uh, There's also a caveman madam and uh, the archeologists find prehistoric hookers. So my question about that story is, uh, did they find a record of a caveman madam or could you uh, find cave ladies right now today? Is she madaming in present time? I don't know. I think they found her
1: little black
0: granite slab. You see what I did there? Oh, okay. Yeah, all right. I'm with it. I'm with it. Yeah, I got yeah on, there. on
1: that slap, Keith. You know what the you know what the you know what the uh, the tagline for her service was? What's that? Caveman, madam, welcome to the club.
0: <laughs> uh, subtitle. <"Ugh." laughs> that was terrible. Uh, <clears throat> all right. So let's talk about children of the comet. Uh, not children of the corn. Children of the Comet, which uh, was directed by Maha Viarvillo, who also directed two episodes of Picard and two episodes of Discovery. It is interesting now because you have, uh, looking back on the Deep Space Nine credits, you're sort of seeing, you can go on their IMDb and see the arc of their entire career, but some of these people are just getting started, Mm -hmm. uh, which is really interesting. Mm -hmm. It's weird to do contemporary things. Uh, this episode was written by Henry Alonso Myers, and this is the first of six episodes that Henry will write, and Sarah Tarkov, the first of two episodes of Strange New Worlds. So far, we don't even know. So uh, now it's time to uh, just dip in a little bit of Trivial Trivia. Now Keith waste your time with Trivial
1: Trivia. Always so nice to see your giant face, Keith.
0: Ah, yes, it sure is. We, we, gotta, we gotta clean that tag. Yeah. It, like, we've dead air for like 45 minutes now. I know. Not good. So, in our Trivial Trivia, this is another thing. We're doing it contemporary. A lot of the interesting trivia doesn't come out for like 20 years after the show airs. Then you get the dirt. But uh, here's what we can tell about this one so far. Alex Cap becomes the third person on this show to portray a character first portrayed by Major Barrett uh who we just saw in this this week's episode of Deep Space 9 can you guess what the third character that has been performed by Major Barrett would be in this episode The universal translator? The computer? The voice of the Enterprise computer. Well played. Nailed it. Well played. So uh, we learned that the character of Malik Al-Alcazar lives on the Tenandra colony, Uh, which probably doesn't mean much to you, Mike, but Uh. it is the future birthplace of a certain Annika Hansen, who just might be seven of nine. Oh, so, uh, okay. nice little Easter egg. I, I, That's one of the things that I enjoy about the show, is that everything you see on a screen, everything somebody says, is tied to some piece of Trek lore, uh, future or You past. know, I was actually
1: thinking about that <clears throat> watching this week, Keith, because you and I are actually the exact needle that the writing team is clearly trying to thread, between someone who's sniffing out every little breadcrumb and someone mm-hmm. who isn't married to anything, because there's some things that clearly i am learning for the first time lore that i should know and so they are Mm -hmm. they are definitely trying to 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 thread that needle and we represent that pretty specifically so i think it's actually a good uh We're, we're
0: all of the target audiences here on your screen
1: but it does bring me to one a kind of general question that maybe i should have asked in the pilot last week that okay and i don't know if there is an answer because one thing i'm trying to do actually is curb my thirst to go on wikipedia and on the internet and and just answer all the questions i had learn everything about production because i i kind of want to do the show for itself you know yep and so the question i have is are they are they producing this as an actual in-lore prequel to everything that has come before it or sort of a soft in-lore reboot of this time period because there. if it's the former, I've got some more nits to pick because a lot of the writing feels very contemporary and anas- anachronistic. Like, this, they start the episode out with Uhura saying, oh, I'm just te- hazing the newbie and using a lot of, like, in uh, current gaming
0: kind of... Right.
1: And then I just, I was like, I thought this was supposed to be a long time ago.
0: Wait, what? I, the, her using the word newbie bothered me. But but wait are 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 you under the impression that Star Trek takes place in the past? I guess you know what that does fix
1: that for me. You real it is twenty three hundred right or something like that. Ooh, so this whole
0: time, wait, this is breaking. So this whole time, have you been thinking all of Trek takes place in our past?
1: No, no, I'm not thinking that. But I'm, but I'm sort of fooled into thinking that because when I think original series, which is the prequel to, I think '60s, '70s. Right, you think it but, firmly plants it in a decade to me. So then, when I hear her talking very current, I, it, th- it th- seems anachronistic. But then I realize, oh wait, you're like you bring up it is well so far in the future. So it all that g- gels.
0: But I, 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 I think what's going on in your head is Star Wars. Is in a galaxy a long time ago in a galaxy far, far mm. away. So I think maybe you're 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 crossing the streams to make a well, third. Well, well sci-fi then let giant me
1: metaphor. let me let me pull myself out of this hole I've dug. <laughs> this show feels, of all of the Star Trek I've watched, mm. the most current. Oh, the most no, for sure of yeah. today, which I think is intentional, obviously, but that is juxtaposed with the fact that it does take place before everything you know.
0: Yes, I mean, tonally and I think this is what a lot of people um, sort of feel about the next, the new Trek generation sort of a deal is that it definitely feels very contemporary in um, I I think that it is much more um, they make many more references to our time period than 90s trek. so because like 60s and 90s trek sort of awkwardly and out of the way make it they talk about our time period like the distant past like the middle ages and so you know Spock. yeah i forget exactly but just like it, an example would be like spock be like talking about disco music oh yes an ancient form of music the disco whereas i think in, in more contemporary tracks, they're like, yeah, we know exactly what that is. Like, we, we, like, it's not like, you know, explaining what a com, what an automobile is. Unlike, it's an automobile. We know what cars are, right? It's like, it's the difference. Like, we knew what, you know, it, the 1700s or 1800s for us, like, it's not our time, but it's not like we're playing Red Dead. Like, what is this horse creature you speak of? Like, we know what it is. Um, but, it, but yes, and I think part of it is, it's also a little bit more relaxed. Yeah. Uh, in, in the dialogue, it's, it's more casual, both in the performance and in the writing of the dialogue, because there's a very sort of like militaristic, sort of straight upper, you know, straight backed style of acting in the 90s, as well mm. as the dialogue, where it, it is it is a little bit jarring to see people relax. Yeah. <laughs> on the show, um, I don't dislike it, but you're right; it is it is different, um, and certainly it also continues to push the the envelope in terms of representation, yeah. um, which I think is fantastic and 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 has always been what Star Trek is. Right? It was pushing the envelope back in 1966 on representation, and people were
1: well. I think that the tone. I mean, to to put a point on it, because yeah. I forget this is an hour show, so it gets long anyway. Uh, it is already creating a fingerprint for itself. Now, whether or not you end up loving that fingerprint is neither here nor there, we'll get there. Obviously, that's the journey we're on, but it's it's carving out its own identity, and I think that is, for better or for worse, uh, something I like to see.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's part of, I mean, it's it's what's happened on each subsequent generation of Trek, because, you know, the 60s took 30 years, Became 90s, they took 30 years, became the 2020s, and each time they it was a it was a, it was a generational leap in um the storytelling. So here we are. The guest stars of Children of the Comet include Dan Jeanette as George Samuel Kirk, Dana Badeau as the alien daughter, Amber V. Cole as the mother, Jennifer Hui as Ensign Christina, Andre De Kim as Chief Kyle, and Tom Marriott. As the Shepherd Captain. So, uh, what do you say? We uh, hop into the screen room. I won't
1: give it away, but I am. All right, let's just roll. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
2: <Okay.
0: laughs> so stupid. Oh, where is it? <clears throat> oh, my God. All right. So, uh, here we are in our screening room, and we begin on a hot desert planet that reminds me of the desert planet on Star Trek V. A blue alien and her daughter walk in the sand, and they look up at a giant comet. As they do this, we hear cadets log from Uhura. The Enterprise is studying the comet, but Uhura is doing some boring duties. Uh, First off, I think those alien designs look amazing incredible yeah so good i mean look at the detail and the i love the color palette they're playing with as well Mm -hmm. that you're able to um you know texturally they have the budget to be able to do the full facial prosthetics it must have taken forever to put that on um but i love it comet looks great there's all sorts of you know symbolism in comets all throughout history um and uh, it's it's pretty cool. I mean, look at that. that looks I mean, great. it's incredible.
1: All everything, every special effect is incredible on this episode. <clears throat> uh, look even to, the, to the like the fully CGI characters. Who this has got to be one of the first, right, in Trek.
0: Uh, the first we've seen. A, there are there are a couple on like Disco and and Picard, but this it's it's rare at the even still rare to do that. Um, <laughs> Anyway, so uh, Uhura's been invited to the captain's table for dinner, and of course Lieutenant Ortegas has pranked her into wearing her dress uniform, which looks great.
1: Mm-hmm. That texture uh, at the top is really something awesome. I
0: I I will ad- I will admit to not being a huge fan of the Picard era Starfleet uniforms. Um, you know, they got better as it went through, but it never quite had that like the feel that I that I enjoy. I, I don't know, I just wasn't a big fan. This I like very much. Very cool. Um so that's certainly better than the uh than the dress the literal dresses that they were all wearing on the uh, on next gen. So uh anyway, apparently the prank is part of something called Enterprise Bingo, where they uh, goof on everybody. Uhura is nervous because she says I have no filter. Uh, Speaking of sort of contemporary uh, language there. Um, But they enter the captain's table and Pike immediately recognizes the joke and knows exactly what's happening. Um, And I think, you you know, I mentioned last week that the Pike that we were seeing in the pilot was not the more relaxed, funnier, goofier Pike.
1: Oh, we got goofy Um, Pike this
0: week. You definitely see it, especially in the scene. Like, Pike has a sense of humor. Um, well, beyond. I, quip, I
1: quip later in the episode. Like, maybe it's time to to zip up your jacket and get serious. Uh, because he was almost too quippy, but I, they, they're finding the balance, I think. Well,
0: you know, he's gotten himself out of a lot of jams, right? You know, mm-hmm. but uh, but yeah, so he's definitely this is more the pike that we're used to uh, having a good time here, anyway. Also, like, jacked. Yeah, I, I mean I, every
1: every costume. They're like, we have to remind everybody how just, just absurdly. sexy
0: this man is. Well, it's just like everybody on the, you know. And yes. honestly, I think I, I was talking to somebody on the the comments about how I really enjoy the diversity of the cast, mm-hmm. right? And and all sorts of you know genders and sexualities and species and that kind of stuff. Uh, it is, however, there's not a lot of diversity in. Body types. No, of course we we want uh, body diversity. We we support everybody. We love everybody. Hundred percent. So uh, Uhura feels unless you're a d bag, that's true, Uh but that has nothing to do with your somatotype. Uh, so Uhura feels awkward and accidentally offends the new Anarian chief engineer Hemmer, who is blind and does not appreciate assistance being offered cutting the carrots, which is not a euphemism. So this is a new character that we uh only saw for like 10 seconds on the pilot who who joined here. Um so the Enar were first seen on Enterprise. Um and they are a subspecies of the Andorians who also they're blind and they have some precognitive abilities. I believe if, Remembering from the last uh, time I watched the Enterprise series, they live in darkness. I think they believe, uh, I think they live subterranean in like frozen caves. That makes sense. Which is why they they don't need sight. Uh, Yuhura spots she's being hazed again and speaks Anarian briefly, and it's a cool flex. Uh, she just like literally knows everybody's language. Later, Pike tells an old story about tripping on a Nausicaan pants. On Nausicaan pants, we see that Spock's sideburns have started creeping further down his face. And like it, 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 you know, you know what Spock's sideburns are doing? They're doing the Giuliani. They're like leaking down the side of his face. I'm sorry, Keith. Are you
1: saying something? I I can't hear anything. But how jacked, Pike? is. <laughs>
0: Well, I mean, if you, like, squeeze your shirts, like, anyone can look a little bit jacked. Oh, look at that. Yeah, you're huge. Yeah, Uh, we also find out that Spock doesn't get schadenfreude, which is, you know, very Spock-like. Pike and Uhura chat about her hometown in Kenya. We learn that she speaks 37 languages. I speaks 37 languages. Uh, 22 of them are Kenyan dialects, local dialects. Very cool. So Pike asks her what she wants to be when she grows up. And she beat out thousands of applicants, but she's not sure she wants to be in Starfleet. She tells the story of her parents and brother being killed in a shuttle accident, and that's why she ran off and joined Starfleet. Um, I, I bet How that's a new How very UK. Jake Sisko of her. It's very, it's very, well, but yeah, but Jake doesn't want to join starfleet. But uh but it's certainly, you know, classic hero's tale, tragic background. Um I, I don't know how they got into a shuttle, I feel like they'd be pretty pretty uh you know, pretty safe by this point, but there it is. So later, Spock and Uhura chat about how oh, uh before we get to that, like what did you think of like the the whole the cast dinner here? That was cool. I thought it was a cool way to Kind of put her on the spot
1: because, what like it said, you know, she she it kind of foreshadows her being put on the spot a little bit later, and they're obviously doing that thing that Trek loves to do, which is before the credits roll, they have to really foreshadow the entirety of the plot before the before the splash hits. So, this was good. So I was really listening because I knew (laughs) the episode's going to be about this. Yeah, clearly it's the Uhura
0: episode. Uh, Uhura. Sure. Um, I I actually think it's. Doing it this way, right, I think tells us a lot about Pike. Right, because um he's definitely the most down to earth mm-hmm. captain I've ever seen in in Trek. Um I, I think Archer would probably be like second in that in that, but him having casual dinners with the crew, Picard didn't do that. You know, Picard didn't join the Yeah, it's poker very game. Friday
1: night lights, right? I I like, never watched Friday Night Lights. Well, I it heard just feels great. like
0: Coach having the team over, you know, just to, to yeah. kind of kibitz and stuff. It's cool. Um, but like you know, we know, I don't think we ever saw Kirk doing that. Picard would definitely would not have done it. Um, you know, Janeway maybe a little bit, but there was always like some level of aloofness, some level of remove from the captain um, that wouldn't necessarily have this have this much, you know, sort of relaxed time with the crew. Which is why when Picard finally joins the poker game at the end of the series, it's very, like, it's moving. It's kind of crazy that he finally joins, um, you know, in being a part of the family. Hmm. Uh, so it is it is interesting to see how Pike interacts with everybody here. I, I like it, I like it. He's yeah. definitely like, he's the cool boss. So, uh, anyway, uh, later Spock and you heard a chat about how the evening went. He cautions her that many, many people want to be in Starfleet, and if you don't want to be here, you should open up the spot. Um, which I, I totally get, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I feel that way in our business, you know, the the people complaining about, you know, their Broadway gig or whatever, which you're complaining about 100% valid things, but like I'd cut my leg off to be in your position. It actually,
1: yeah, that's actually a pretty good analogy. I was thinking more about Dax and thinking about the, the all how difficult it is to become to be be selected to be one of the the hosts Mm. and how yeah you know just how terrible not terrible how people would respond if one of those
0: hosts wasn't really all in yeah yeah so i can you know but i also like she's she's an interesting position because of her like ridiculous talent it opens up all doors for her mm-hmm. and you can find your you know when you're when you have that level of talent you sometimes find yourself in places that you don't necessarily expect or or want them and, and i can say from my own experience not having that level of talent but having gone to a, a, a music conservatory right to study classical music and realizing i don't know this isn't really my jam and yet a lot of other people would like to be in that position i actually really like the futureness of it because
1: uh, how do I let me see? How do I want to phrase this? So I I dated a person who did a whole bunch of different things in their life. A whole different bunch of different careers. They dipped and they pipped and popped, as I like to say. Not because they were incredibly talented at all those different things, but because they were so rich that they could yeah. afford to do that. And I'd much rather in the future uh, you you find t- find yourself uh, in, in these multiple gigs because you're talented and not well, just because yes, you're rich the, to the, buy yourself the, there.
0: The privilege of ability is very different from the privilege yeah. of rich parents. Uh, yeah. Anyway, um, an interesting thing. Uh, so uh, meanwhile, Number One and Pike discuss his tragic future. He knows apparently the names of the people's lives that he will save in the tragedy that disables him. Uh, interesting. So, very Spock cool. Called. Very cool. And I, I, I don't, I wonder whether he started doing a whole bunch of research, but I guess how would he know the names? Maybe it was part of the vision? I think so. It seems that way. It, I don't think it he had did. to have been. I think he was saying, I think that's his like
1: fallback whenever somebody's like, well, maybe it was just a, it's like when you go to a, a, a you know, a, what do you call it? A, it's a like medium. a medium. Yeah. And they yeah. And give you, it's like a cold read. It's very general. He's like, no, it's not that. I know their names. I know what they, <laughs> yeah. everything about well,
0: them. Well, and, and my question is how he would know their names. But he says, I experienced it. I mm-hmm. lived it. And I think that's different than yeah. saying I witnessed it. So perhaps in that moment where he experienced it, he had the knowledge in his head of all of those people. He knew who those people were, and then he took that knowledge with him when he came back. I I guess. Um, But uh, they can't keep talking about it, because Spock calls and says there's a problem with the comet. It's going to hit the planet and wipe out all those blue people on the surface. Um, Which I'm wondering why they wouldn't have known that already um mm-hmm. but uh anyway it uh, it sets up a great fake out here where he uh he shows like here's he, we, we see the the uh, the comet hitting the planet and blowing it up it's like this is what will happen
1: <laughs> fake out uh, there's so much tech flex they're just like yeah we're just gonna show you that we can we just want to show you this
0: just for the hell of it let's animate a planet blowing up mm-hmm. <laughs> um it's great for the trailer if there were trailers so they decide to try to push the comet out of the way. Um, sure. No problem, easy. And they shoot it with torpedoes and some sort of loaded with some sort of pushy tech. But it doesn't work because uh oh, the comet has a force field. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Didn't expect that. So we uh we begin act one after the sequence. I mean look at that, it looks so good. So good. And you know we didn't we kinda of blew through it, but
1: this scene actually is really great because Whereas we spent a lot of the pilot kind of getting to know everybody and it's more of a introductory phase, here already we're in it. He's Pike's passing around, getting eliciting suggestions from his whole his his advisement staff. They devise a plan quickly. He quips, they enact plan. I'm like, okay, we're not there. with the exception of the UHORH th- uh, plot this week, we're just jumping right in. We're all working together. We're doing our thing, episodic. I- I'm I'm here for it.
0: Yeah, well, and and you see, well, for the first time, the whole crew operating normally, mm-hmm. in in their regular Starfleetiness of it all, which is great.
1: By the way, twelve minutes, twelve minutes, twelve to splash minutes screen.
0: teaser. Yeah, well, I mean, when you don't have, when you're not being broadcast, you can do whatever you want. You can you can run the uh, run the credits thirty seconds from the end. Doesn't matter. So uh, number one says, well, we can't hail the comment comet, but inside of it is a giant structure. But there aren't any life signs. Na'al speculates that it might be a derelict spacecraft. Cool. And Spock says they can beam onto it without raising the shields. Um, Sort of a strong inference, sort of a strong guess there, but, uh, you know, we need to get on there. Mm-hmm. Sam Kirk is there as a xenobiologist, and his mustache is unfortunate. But at least they call it out. Chapel gives the away team uh, some anti-radiation goo, and they're all wearing super cool space suits. So cool! Very uh, Ridley Scott. There's a lot of Ridley Scott in mm-hmm. this episode. Uh, but actually, that uh, the shot one previous to that from above there that feels very um, 2001. Yep. Feels very. Also, there's
1: also a lot of uh, Mass Effect if you ever played that game.
0: No, I haven't. Um, Anyway, so uh, Chapel eh, pretty overtly flirts with Spock. And uh, that's kind of fun. And uh, Uhura is nervous. The music is rousing. And La'an reminds them there isn't much gravity on the comet. Uh, So don't hop off and fly away. Which is a a little bit of a uh, Chekhov's gravity that never gets fired. Because Mm -hmm. we never really play with that. I was hoping that we were going to. But we didn't. So after a cool, is it star? Oh yes.
1: Everything about this design—the cool, whatever's on their heads, the all the tech, the then even the mask—and uh, give me this. I want that figure.
0: That's that's also with that red ring. That's very two thousand one. Yes, very much. Um, so. A lot of different, it, it, and in the reflections of it all.
1: What's the Looks lighting great. budget on this thing?
0: Whatever it needs to be. <laughs> that's what it is. Although. In the, in the uh, LED world, lighting is way cheaper yeah. than it used to be. Um, you know, both the, I mean, all those built-in lights, right? Can you imagine how expensive that would have been to custom build? And now, like, you do it with just some LED light strips and a piece of plastic, they also which costs, like, I 10 just, bucks on Amazon.
1: It makes you rethink everything. You know, a, a couple of years back, we we bought some Hey Google lights, you know? Yeah. and they were at the time they've gotten a little cheaper but they were like 40 50 bucks and yeah that was nine years ago and I, they still haven't died I, I don't know if they will I'm, I'm not sure they will die no uh,
0: the, the technology is amazing and you know well and I, I was watching an old episode of Shark Tank and they were doing the very first versions of that mm-hmm. they're like oh we're gonna go to you know the consumers for like four hundred dollars and now it's like eight bucks. It's not tops and and you know it's much more advanced anyway it's very cool uh, so we have a uh, uh, we have a cool is it stars or floating comet debris transition and they beam onto the surface and on the surface there's a giant black alien structure very reminiscent of the movie alien Damn. so we're we've we've gone from 2001 now we're gonna do alien for a while uh and in the center is a big old egg. It's definitely gonna shoot a face at them. And Kirk asks Uhur's opinions on the markings. She's able to see that they repeat and that the egg is important. Shocking. Uh and uh, you know, we had uh we've we've Chekhov's gravity, but Chekhov's egg is definitely gonna hatch. Comedy cooker, baby. Um, yes, and <laughs> ah. The uh, the the Venn diagram of very deep <laughs> '80s wrestling <laughs> and Star Trek. Here we go. If anybody other than me got that, like we owe you a quarter. Yeah, let me know. Yeah. Um, so uh, we also find out that luckily there's breathable atmosphere here. Um, always handy to have because you can mm-hmm. take the. Uh, th- that's really handy both for production and for and the audio. Show. And audio, and for the actors to get those damn things off their heads. Um, anyway, Kirk gets closer. Wait,
1: you're, yeah? That turn, well, we'll get to the screenshots later, but there's nothing in the egg.
0: Yeah, well, it's yeah, sort of like a lighty-up thingy. We don't. It, it doesn't seem super eggy to me. Maybe it's not an egg?
1: Eh, uh, okay. <laughs> but they call uh, it an egg
0: a few times. They do. Well, it looks pretty eggy. Yeah. But interesting. maybe maybe the gobbledygook you know, he ran away. You know what? Maybe it's a shaker, Keith.
1: It's, we got to a stick to the theme, you know what I
0: mean? Maybe it's one of uh, uh oh shoot. Gwyneth Paltrow's eggs. It's not designed to goop. be hatched oh. in that well, way, goop. We should keep going.
1: This is not a strong uh, not a
0: strong showing on our part. <laughs> hey folks, <laughs> have we lowered your expectations enough? last week was gangbusters yo so good so uh kirk gets too close to the egg and then that happens and it zaps him and his heart stops and they can't beam him back for medical assistance yikes luckily spock can zap his heart with uh his tricorder and he's back up but hurting and after this happens the comet's shields go up leaving them trapped uh oh Which takes us to Act 2. They're trapped! And only Yuhura can save them by reading all of the alien language around them. We head back to the planet's surface and the blue people nervously stare up at the comet. And I wrote down once again, the makeup looks phenomenal. On the bridge, Pike asks for ideas. And they have the idea to try phaser harmonics. Harmonics being sort of key to this whole story. Mm-hmm. Uh back on the set of Alien, Uhura scans the egg and she takes the time to tease Spock about Chapel's crush on him. He's not there for it and neither is Laan. Um maybe because someone's literally dying at their feet and not time to talk about who's going to go kissy-kissy with who, but uh whatever. So the Enterprise is about to try phasers on the comet when something shoots them. We zoom out and see a giant spaceship led by blue fish people. Uh go back the go back one. That spaceship is so cool. It's very cool, and I love I just love designs
1: where you got a big old gun and it's like this huge hulking mass of tech, and then it's like and there's laser pointer. The <laughs> like uh, all yeah. of that
0: is pointed at you, sir. And, but the other thing I really love about, we talked about the aspect ratio last week. Um, with this aspect ratio, you can really get a sense of scale. Mike, move your head out of the way and you can see how much bigger that ship is than the little old Enterprise. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's really cool that you're able, to, and that's, that's a much harder thing to do when you're doing it on a four by three. Um, so anyway, very cool. Love Don't it. Snoke, Keith. Snoke, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, who's, and I and I I wonder if this is a a production thing that I, I would have fixed if I were directing it, because he's also blue, which led me to believe oh maybe they're the descendants of or maybe they're on the, the planet. they're related to the blue people on the planet. Uh, I feel like they probably would have benefited from a different color palette, distinguishing the two of them, so we don't uh, make inferences that we don't want to. That's fair. Uh, anyway, the blue people explain that they are the Shepherds of the Comet, um, which to them is an arbiter of life, which is interesting, and if you tamper with it again, we're gonna pew-pew. So, on Earth, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar makes me nervous about AFib, for, and then 17 different casinos try to get me to gamble. I think Check I should out, probably though. pay for the ad-free Paramount. Uh yeah, that looks amazing. Mm-hmm. Really, really cool. I was gonna say, as much as that's shot for no
1: commercials, they definitely have spots where they know the ads are gonna be.
0: Oh yeah, no, they, they know <laughs> what's what. They they know where they're uh, who's paying for all those effects. Uh-huh. It's uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar
1: and AFib. You know who doesn't watch ads, Keith? People watching along with me on Patreon because I
0: lovingly cut that out for you. Oh, see, that's uh, uh that's what you're paying for. So, in Act 3, they scan the ship as Pike explains what's happening. They're trying to save millions of people on the planet. But the fish guy says, if the comet alien, Mohanit, wants to move, it will. And we do not interfere with its will. What's going to happen is preordained. And the fish people have been protecting the Arbiters, i.e. the comet, for forever. And apparently there are several of them going around, and that's their purpose. Interesting. Uh, Pike mutes the Zoom and gets the news that they're outgunned. So, Pike tries to explain their humanitarian message. But the fish guy knows that about the landing party, and says rescuing them will be an act of war. Uh Uh-oh. I mean, tell me that set, that whole thing, isn't basically the set to Aliens. Like, I feel like Geiger Giger yeah. designed most of that. Uh, so Yuhura keeps staring at the egg while the rest of the party kind of just stands there and and reminding her of the pressure. They're <laughs> like, like, we have no skills that are applicable, so... And I, if you don't do this, we're all going to die. Just, 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 just so you know, I just wanted every 10 minutes remind you that if you don't figure this out, we're all going to die.
1: But I will say that I thought that the... Um, Yes, I think we get it. I was—I kept saying that we get it. She's nervous; she doesn't think she can cut it. Neither do they. But I do think uh, the whole the repartee about pep talks was
0: clever. Yes, yeah, because uh, uh, yeah. So Spock tries the first pep talk and it sucks, and it's actually pretty funny. Uh, you heard his confidence is low, so he tries another one about mortality, etc., and it's a little bit better. She starts humming again. We saw her humming previously. And look out, the cave lights up in reaction to her voice. So she takes it up an octave and it does even more lights. And here we learn that it communicates and responds to music. Uh very interesting. We get a mini glee episode. We get we get a little bit of a glee here um and as a as a musician it was it's really—I guess we'll talk about it at the end—but like to have music-focused episodes for non-musicians, it's really sort of fascinating. Like what makes sense and what doesn't. True, but what I think is when you boil it down, which I thought
1: was really kind of a cool, was cool, is they make such a big deal about her being speak all of these languages. Right. And and then we get to the you know the crux of it that music is just that of course music is a language, a language. and so it can be interpreted as such and it can be no unified. I love it I mean yeah, I awesome. I
0: love thematically for sure I think it's mm-hmm. I think it's it's great and interesting and and would make sense I mean the universal language of uh, or math is a universal language mm-hmm. right that's how we determine sentience that's how we de- determine intelligence is their use of math music of course is just math so anyway it makes sense. So on the bridge, they a lot pick of up major st-
1: chords and tritones was uh, how we communicate with this particular egg, but you know.
0: Yes, well, it's uh, well. That's going to be my part. Like <laughs> we're going to keep it really simple. <laughs> yeah. One, yes, they they three, only communicate five. in do re mi. That's <laughs> yeah. what,
2: that's,
0: uh, yes, do-a-deer, a deer, a
1: female uh, deer. Uh, yes, re is a drop of golden egg. All right,
0: golden egg. Yes, yes, yes. Delicious. Uh, so on the bridge they pick up a signal of Yuhura's song being broadcast from the comet. Why? It's interesting, but like that's interesting. I don't know why the why the or the, why the comet would be broadcasting what she's saying. I don't I mean, I was singing along. So the comet was like, "Yeah." This oh, is, all this right. Is my I jam. Was just like, yeah, "Yeah, yeah, I get that." All right. Bop. Okay, it's a single. It's a bop. All right. All right, fair enough, fair enough. So Yuhura starts to crack the harmonic code. Uh, she just needs to learn her 16 bar cut. Uh, I it, she says, or I forget if Spock skipped music class or a on. I on, did not yeah. skip music class. so the discussion about the universality of mathematics of pitch is both fascinating and I think accurate. Uh, as I mentioned before, our 12 12 tone scale has developed almost universally across the world even without communication between continents and cultures over time so it's not a wild stretch that that 12-tone scale would also work on other planets because it's mathematically based um cool i she love thinks, that what well, we sent out on the what is it the
1: Cassini mission uh to out into the into the cosmos is like a record is an analog well Voyager, signal. I think. Oh Voyager, right, yeah. Yes. And it's just like right. all of our music
0: spoiler alert for 1979.
1: The I'm motion sorry. picture.
0: Uh yeah. yeah, uh it's it's interesting. Um you heard of thinks the password is uh, just a major chord. Um I I think that's the musical equivalent of your password is password. Yeah. Or my <laughs> my pin code is Mike.
1: On my debit card.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's it's, it's a little oversimplified, but I get it. Uh, I mean, if people don't know music, like, you don't want to, like, like, wait, what's a French augmented sixth chord? What? I get it. So, uh, she sings with Spock, and she says, do what I do, and he immediately doesn't, but she (laughs) pretends that he did. Yeah. Uh, And I'm having so many flashbacks to aural skills, um, yes i took many oral skills uh classes in college uh not that type you dirty people hey that's why if you want to like gauge where
1: somebody's at just have them match a pitch sing this note Hmm, because if they can't do it you got to take a different course because it's there's there's a to music there is an element of you can do it or you can't do it there is an element of that
0: well when it comes to i guess uh Vocal music being totally yes, if if you are unable to match I I had that once. Oh my god when I was teaching voice Privately, I had this one this one person uh, come and take a take some lessons from me who like I I won't get into the details, but like was very confident. Let's say about the strong uh, and wrong Just like I'm going to be the biggest music star that's ever happened and I like yes, yes confidence, absolutely could not match a single pitch. I spent like three lessons of an hour long literally just like to do what you just did could not match a pitch to save their lives. Yeah. That's not Which good. I totally get. And it's not and it's not their fault. It's not their fault nope. at all. Like you you either can or you can't. And just like I don't have perfect pitch, like the people who can who can remember pitches forever. Um but that's just something—it's binary. You have it or you don't. Anyway, why are we talking about this?
1: Because uh, that's what this sh- episode. I guess it's not really about that at all. But go
0: ahead. It's, it's, it is a little bit. Um, so, all right. So oh, now that we have that screenshot, oh, that's great. So, wow. So she's written down some of the music. Let's. I think we can actually. I can actually play some of it here. Uh, we move this to the other monitor. I, I don't think that's has any relation whatsoever to uh, to what we're hearing. But uh, this is this is what she wrote down. Uh, uh, wait. So it's it's stacked major seventh chords. Right. Wait.
1: There are too. Ma- <laughs> There's so many notes. There's so many notes. No,
0: there are too many
1: ledger lines. There are six ledger lines. he's written down. There. Yes, music might evolve
0: in the future, Keith. You don't know. They just added another ledger. I'm like, wait a minute, that's not right. <laughs> they you can't n- even have the right amount
1: of w- ledger lines. What I lines. love about this is that she entitled Net it music. "Comet Notes," Comet and there's notes. also a there's also a, a diagram of Manhattan. Apparently, it is it is
0: utterly unplayable. How, but but she's like, it's in four four time. Don't worry. Is do you see a four four? Oh yeah, it is. is yeah, that a, no, is that just like a, a, a treble clef? It, it's a treble clef, and she's got some bass clef, and it's the same stacked notes. But it's impossible to play because she's got an extra ledger line. That's insane! No. Like who? Get Guys. yourself an egg, Keith. You don't have the egg. That's a problem. Guys, your budget is astra-freaking-nomical The show is so good. Nobody knows that there's only five ledger lines. <laughs> All right. Anyway sorry i had to freak out for a second there uh where was i anyway uh so they they do they do a little uh row 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 your boat and uh he extrapolates what she what he wants. or spock does sort of telepathically and the egg opens it's beautiful but at this point uh does not end at this point does not suck their face and implant an alien baby so that's a win uh, yeah, so that's where you can see but nothing
1: I mean, actually happens really
0: no, no, not really at all actually opening yeah the opening does opening the egg have any relation on anything else?
1: No I thought I was gonna say is that what stopped the force field but not really she plays a different note. she plays like a she like suspends a fourth and that opens
0: the force field well all right so i I think the opening of the egg is like you know password accepted here's the os you can play with and then she plays okay. the fourth which all right so, all right I, I guess that's it is it is a very very elaborate and beautiful window screen as it opens with like windows 95 comes up um anyway bing, bing, go back because bing, bing. Go, go that's such a beautiful image of the egg open there uh, hold on back. it's like
1: 20 no it's like 5
0: back there you go there it is I mean look at that production design mm-hmm. I mean that, that is stunning to look at I'm not sure it means anything but damn it looks great mm-hmm. um, that's so, Fabergé uh,
1: baby Fabergé
0: yeah so uh, she sings some more notes and makes the force field lower as you said not sure how she cracked the code that fast poor guy who extra- plays Kirk
1: episode 1 you're in, in the last second. Episode 2.
0: Dead, alive but unconscious, beamed yeah. in off-screen. And always going to be the dweeby other kirk. Mm-hmm. Forever. So they beam back onto the ship, and of course, them rescuing themselves pisses off the fish guy, and they launch torpedoes. Which hens us heads us into act four. Shields are immediately down to 50%. They try to avoid the torpedoes. And uh, La'an says, let's GTFO, um, as they're flying the ship around, avoiding torpedoes. Looks amazing. It's gorgeous. Oh, yeah. The the pew-pew is so good. Um, But, uh, so they have a plan. Uh, Pike finally says, all right, let's shoot a phaser shot, a single phaser shot. And it works well enough to get them to move out of the way. Although I thought they were outgunned, but that one single pew accomplished all of that. Anyway... Uh, they are able to get out of the way, and Spock says, Maybe we can't move the comet, but maybe we can make it move itself. Uh, I was thinking it was going to be a duet, but that's not what we're going to do. So uh, Pike challenges Ortegas to get the ship between the fish monks and the comet, so they can't risk shooting them, because they'll hit the comet. Brilliant. Very, Very smart. Um, and I, I liked it. It was cool. It makes perfect sense. Uh-huh. The uh, the ship flies through the comet's tail to get there. Um, looks super cool as they're sort of crashing their way through the tail of the comet. Um, awesome. So they stop and shut down power, pretending that they're completely disabled. And he surrenders. And he lies and says, we've lost all of our systems. And we're about to collide with the comet and blow it up. Can you help us? So the fish monks activate a tractor beam to move the Enterprise out of the way. Um, looking back on it, all of that, I guess it's just a distraction technique, so they don't notice Box shuttle getting out, like getting, asking for being rescued. Yeah, they sort of complicate
1: the plot, right? If the plot was just we need to get the GTFO without getting blowed up, then I love this plan because it's really clever. Like, use the religious zealotry uh, against them, right? Well, you don't obviously you don't want to shoot your your right. your deity, so we're gonna put ourselves right in front of it. Really smart. It is taking a risk because they could have even, you know, but then of course now we have our sub escape route. We gotta have Spock doing whatever he's doing, and and then and then they muddy that.
0: Well, we'll get to it. Well, well, that all makes sense. It, that that part of it makes sense to me. Right, get yourself between the ship and the combat so they can't shoot you, so you're safe. Um, so that that all makes sense to me, that what what feels like I'm not quite sure why it was necessary was pretending that you're disabled and asking them for help. Is hmm. is the purpose of that, that while they're doing that, they're not gonna notice Spock sneaking out on a shuttle? I think Or so. was there some other purpose I don't know about? Or maybe about. if be-
1: their tractor beam is engaged, they can't be firing their weapons or something?
0: I don't know, it feels kind of elaborate and not quite that well explained. Um, but, you know, that's what happened. So we see that Spock has hidden a shuttle in the comet and is headed to the nucleus. And he heats up the shuttle's shields, uh, which is pretty cool, and it causes the frozen comet to react. Because it's all ice and dust. So he flies through it all, all heroic-like. And shifting all the stuff around with heat is starting to change the direction of the comet and diverting it away from the planet. Uh, Spock calls. He's okay. And he even laughs. Um, Which is, you know, a little out of character from the later Spock. But this is young Spock. He's got a sense of humor. So uh, doing this causes the comet to dump a ton of water onto the planet's surface, changing it from a desert... To a wetter surface and perhaps bringing life after all, uh, because now it is a planet surface more conducive to vegetation and other life. However, it does make me wonder: uh, might changing the climate of a planet kill everything there that's already there that's adapted to the dry climate? Climate? Uh,
1: well, that's what that's what Snoke said. He said it could bring life. It could bring death. It's it's that's its prerogative. That's its prerogative.
0: Yeah, but we kind of did that. So, did we just like genesis a planet that already had people on it? Like all all like all the people are like, "Yay, yeah, it's raining," but like they don't realize that their entire climate has now changed. I I don't know if uh, the message here is like climate change is good. Keith, would you prefer climate change or would you prefer, prefer I just got exploded by a comet? I mean, it's definitely better uh, of the yeah. alternatives. Degrees, right. baby. It's gray. It's gray.
1: Wherever I go I'm just gonna respond no. in music this episode
0: No, this show is shades of blue. They're the same color for some reason.
1: To be fair, I didn't I did not confuse Snoke people
0: with planet people. okay, fair enough. So it starts to rain on the blue people and now we're kind of doing dune um but they seem happy about it. The fish monks don't know that Spock diverted the comet. And they take it all as part of a prophecy. And uh, we're all good now. So uh, Pike does a captain's log asking, uh, what what does this all mean? Was it Providence? I don't know. And later, Uhura has translated the music. It's actually a map. And the comet intended no harm. And that it already knew what was going to happen. The comet itself had foreknowledge that Spock was going to do what it did. Wild. Uh, so, yeah. So, the, the prophecy of it all. It's interesting.
1: Yeah, they try to... I haven't... I still have time. I still haven't come down on how I feel about the both-sidesiness of this, right? Because they clearly, to me, in the beginning, when they, we first meet Snoke, are, are making a comment about not being able to argue logic with religion in a lot of ways right sure and yet then in our denuma we sort of are like but
0: but maybe maybe well but that's but that's star trek's relationship with religion is mm-hmm. what it, it's what it's always been right uh-huh. that that star trek just uh Assigns to it a scientific explanation, and sometimes a scientific explanation is we don't know yet, it's more powerful than us, yeah. I mean, so which which is, and I I do,
1: I do like the gray area of did Spock did the, did the, what was it called, Delotet, or
0: (laughs) wasn't that what Delta Burke? I think it was a (laughs) Delta Burke, (laughs) Delta Burke used Spock as a vessel
1: to to reign the planet or was Spock's actions unnecessary because the planet was going to do what the planet was going to do or the Delta Burke or, was going to do what Delta Burke was going to do things. That, that's a sentence I didn't think I was going to say I when mean, we started. I,
0: <laughs> I think, I think anybody who knows and then grew up in the nineties knows Delta Burke's going to Delta Burke. Uh, I, I think what I take from this is that, um, the Delta Burke had either through technology or through its inherent abilities, um, Foreknowledge in time, right? We've met plenty of species who know time ahead of time, and they know the past and the future. The the prophets, you know, the wormhole aliens on Deep Space Nine. Time is is not linear to them. Yeah. Right. So it's very possible that whatever this musical egg Delta Burke person, or you know, knows what's going to happen ahead of time, and you know whether it knows how it's going to happen or not. Who knows? But Could we refer to it, Keith, as intelligent designing women? <laughs> Mike for the win! Mike for the yeah, win! But, yeah, intelligent but. designing women. Wow, there it
1: t-shirt? is. T-shirt? Is that the T-shirt for the week?
0: <laughs> <laughs> it was, it's either that or, uh, or or Spock's Rudy Giuliani <laughs> leaking. oh my goodness uh, oh, oh boy. anyway it, it's cool I think it's interesting yeah. so later Spock compliments you hey Hura that's what we says, like about Trek is the big big grand sci-fi
1: yeah. meets human ideas mis- 100% mix mash it's a, it's a musical mashup
0: if you will it is it is well we're back to Glee Uh. so uh, Spock compliments Uhura and says you're good at this you know you should stay here and number one and Pike keep talking about his prophecy And uh, they talk about just because you can see the future doesn't mean you understand what it means yet. And that you might be able to make a different choice. And your fate is what you make it. So perhaps she's opening up the idea that now that you know what's going to happen, perhaps you can change it. Perhaps you can save these people in another way. Because I I think for him, it's like the reason he would want to stay the course and allow what happens to happen to him is to save these people. Because he saves these people, right. Because he saves these people. And perhaps uh, he can save them in a different way with knowledge of the future. Um, Interesting. And it juxtaposes well with what we just
1: experienced. Like you said about Delta Burke, you time isn't doesn't you even something that can see foresee the future doesn't necessarily know you don't know the path you'll get there we thought that spock was the one altering the course but perhaps it was not right well and
0: and it brings up the i guess the the eternal large question is our fate predetermined is the story written or not do do we have the ability to change the future, or is it merely an illusion that we do, and that illusion is drawing us towards the inevitable course of our future? Which I think, um, I talked to my to, to my younger brother about this a lot, he's a scientist. Um, super bright. And he's sort of of the opinion that our future is just a very complex mathematical equation that is playing out exactly the way... There's only one way that that equation can play out. And so our free will is entirely an illusion. That what will be exactly will be. And there's nothing we can do to change that. We just think that we do. Um. Interesting. I don't know. I, that's kind of what we're exploring here. Which is which is awesome. So Pike calls up the info on the people he will save. Who at this point are all children. Um. Which is interesting because they must be really young. Because it's only 10 years later, right? So he saves a bunch of, like, teenagers. (laughs) Um, And uh, not sure exactly why the computer can, A, he just lists their names. Like, uh, how how does the computer know which kid he's talking about? He's Uh, he's looked them up before. Come on. Well, they're all... I don't know! I think this is the first time. And they're all, like, based on fairly common names. Imagine that the only people out there. And... Uh, The computer creepily has pictures of them all immediately. So, I don't know. I've got questions about the whole thing. I would be shocked if these weren't production crew kids. Easter in it? Easter in it. I would would bet. Uh, And that is the end of Children of the Comet. Uh, Mike, I think it is time to uh, do our awards show, which does not have a name yet. So, if you have an idea... What's his Four. thing when
1: like in his make it so? What's what's his thing? Hit it. Hit it. Uh that's not it. That was that's a, that's a placeholder. <laughs> Keith was about to solicit uh
0: <laughs> Guys, can you improve on Mike's, <laughs> "Hit it." I think you probably can. Hit us up with some <laughs> ideas for Deep Space 9. It's the Alamaremis. Can we uh, come up with a strange new award show? I don't know. But uh, until we have a jingle and a title, let's go straight to wormholes in the plot, Mike. Yeah. So, uh, well,
1: I mean, the ledger lines is what Keith's going to get held up on. Uh, it's clearly a musical. <laughs> what There's, the hell? Yeah. What the hell? There's also a couple of just the their play the 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 Spock plan of it all. I, I don't know if this rises to the level of wormhole, but. As far as writing is concerned, don't I kept waiting for the musical language thing to be if that's going to be the MacGuffin, if that's going to be the big thing, have that be the solution to all the problems, right? Let's use use that. Yeah, I think this, and and we'll get to it when we are ranking. Is that the show? I mean, ten episodes, yeah, but they're, they're trying to, they are just trying to jam a lot of stuff in each episode, right? There's a lot of ideas, a lot of thoughts, and I love all of that, and that's fine. Uh, it, it could probably use a little streamlining and editing, but let's let's stick with wormholes. Uh, I, I wanted to know a little more about the initial people, like the people uh-huh. on the planet. A little context, because like Keith said, are are they in a drought? Do they need water? Uh, are, is it are they are those the la- are those the last two survivors? Are they? I didn't catch their stakes, so I wasn't sure. Is it just there's an impending doom because they're about to blow up? like what if
0: water is acid to them
1: yeah less than like all melt yeah and they it was weird i just felt like they were completely really not it was about them but it had nothing to do with them the snow people their power was kind of cool but yet i couldn't tell if they were just couldn't they just let us go why couldn't we let us let our people out what were the what was the stakes for them we weren't actually blowing up the thing I guess we did try we did shoot phasers at it so that's uh you go Keith it might jog my memory I had a couple of things I should start taking notes
0: um you know in terms of just like wormholes I think I mentioned most of them as we were as we were talking it through um you know you hers abilities seem a little bit nebulous at that point because we know that she's a genius Right. Mm-hmm. And you know, amazing at pattern recognition and and um must have a photographic memory, must must have the ability to take in remarkable amounts of information. And we saw it in the pilot too. Um that part I get, but her ability to sort of intuit a lot of this felt more supernatural than super skilled in this episode. And there were sort of giant leaps in the logic of oh, yes, I I get they work on music, so now I immediately am fluent in this. I I don't know. I mean, look, it's it's track we're we're compressing. Um, So that part of it, like, I was... I I think, as opposed to pointing out specific things, I think my... um, There were just a lot of threads laid and then abandoned Mm -hmm. more than they were wormholes. Um, I guess the only, like, real practical wormhole is, like, I thought we were outgunned, but then one single pew shut them down? Uh, just like a little bit unclear about what the deal is with that.
1: Yeah, because, hold on, just to circle back to what you just said, they make a huge deal about her language skills. They don't focus on, really, on any of the other things you just mentioned. They really hone in on that, in the yeah. captain's dinner, about the language stuff. And it makes sense why you'd want that person to be helpful in an away mission. Sure. Uh, I guess the botanist was important, too, because to, we might find other types of life. But... But then they also hint at the universal translator. We take that with us on the away mission, right? So, like, do we oh, yes. really? We don't really need a a, a a communications expert down there.
0: Well, the universal, yeah. I mean, I guess like it it depends on what the the capabilities of the universal translator are.
1: Like, they could have right? probably done
0: all the music stuff, but I don't know. A computer's pretty smart. Well, you'd think that, that no matter how smart a person would be, the AI in the Universal Translator would do it. But we've certainly established in various other treks that the Universal Translator needs a certain amount of input in order to translate. So it needs an, it needs to hear X amount of words in order to build the sentence structure and, those, and the storytelling. So, um, so I, you know, I get that having some a more intuitive, organic person there to do that would be helpful. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so uh, let's before cause I feel like we're already verging into uh yeah. stem bowl. So let's talk about our best moment.
1: Yeah. I did want to mention too. Uh, I did, I did, I do like that now two episodes running cause you had planted this seed too. And they are doing the whole, like giving you the whatever before you go down to the planet. It's pain, very painful, but what's her bucket never feels that
0: pain. Oh, or or Laan. La'an? You mean? Yeah, Laan. I think she feels it. I think she just has learned watch, to hide it.
1: Yeah, that. Whatever. It's cool. That's it's a running thread that I think is consistent. and That's cool.
0: Yeah. Um, my best moment.
1: There's so, I gotta say the tech. So in so many treks, you see whenever you see like a space battle or anytime they got to use special effects, CGI or whatnot, or or miniatures. There, it's always shot kind of quickly and there's quick cuts and whatnot. Here it's really cool in, the, in every space sequence how they can just sit on shots, sit on yeah. long shots, sit on action, tracking shots and, and really show us the stuff, which is cool. I gotta be honest, I really liked, this is such a specific moment from early on, but I really liked the first bit of when we learned that the comet is gonna crash into the planet and Pike just goes around the horn. He just goes around the horn and he's taking play calls from everybody and mulling it over. And they show they in that one scene, they establish relationship of the whole crew. They establish his captaining style. They establish so much in that one shot. And I, and, and that's the, that's the first time in the episode, maybe the best time in the episode when I got jacked up and I'm like, this is what I want to see. I love this crew. I love the way he's running it. I love everybody doing, putting, having their input and bouncing ideas off each other. So I think that little cut is my, my best moment.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's like it's funny because there are ideas I like, mm-hmm. um, like, but it's not best idea. It's best moment. Yep. So I I think that the uh, best moment for me was moving the ship in between the comet and the bad guys, um, just because that was one of the things that just made the the most sense um, and was and and was a, an interesting challenge because in order to do that, you have to fly through the comet's tail. And uh, I mean, anybody who's watched uh, not Deep Impact, uh, what's 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 the other com- or the, uh, comment Armageddon? Or, or the Armageddon? Armageddon. who's watched Armageddon? Yeah, that's a tough thing. And to And do. I don't want to miss a thing. There's a few things I want to miss about Aerosmith these days. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, give that a hard pass. Uh, but yeah, so I I thought that was a um, was a fun clever and visually interesting solution to their problem that wasn't just pew pew um and uh temporarily solved the problem for them so i like that so uh what do you say we throw some stem bolts around mike
2: you get some stem bolts hell yeah they are self-sealing here are some stem bolts for Woo-hoo. you
0: Okay, Michael Stimbolts. So when I watched this episode, Keith, I
1: loved it. It just it, and I watched it on the big screen and the HDR and the sound and the, everything. And it was having it was it was early. And as you said, I love the repartee. I love the ideas. So many good ideas. We're dealing like Trek does. I think very. Smartly often d- with religion, but not outright sciencing it into oblivion, right? And saying, no, we're analyzing it and we're questioning it and treating it with respect. Yes. And we got to see new aliens and we got to just dis- d- uh, have a begin to have a conversation about music as a language and how it can be used uh, as such, interpreting it utilizing it communicating with it through it the issue i have the issues i'm having are that we lay out like you said there's there's maybe too many ideas and none of them they're not cleverly utilized right i if we're if music is going to be the cipher then let's use it let's have it let's let it be about that and let's let it solve all of our problems, or let's find a way to link it to the various different problems we have. It almost feels like once they got the egg open, that could have been, like if this was a 40-minute episode, we could have found the key and gotten into the vault and been done. But we had to add kind of an extra leg to it, and then we had to push the thing off course, which could have been okay, but then we did that with like this hero sequence with Spock, which seemed unnecessary. There should have been, I feel like, a more synchronized way to do that it just kind of felt disjointed to to me and i felt Mm -hmm. that that speaks Mm -hmm. to like you said a lot of threads a lot of cool ideas that needed a little bit of focusing of the beam right uh so that's kind of my major criticism that and i felt like for i for as smart as it is in some ways it also felt the need to hit us over the head with some of the ideas a little too much like the everything about yohora the how how unsure she is she must do f- 10 monologues in this episode about how unsure she is and how unsure she right. is about her path and how she un, how unprepared she is and it was it felt too much like at one point i was like just do something stop whining and do something and I felt I felt like they let that character down by overhyping that weakness. But, you know, that she does have she does save the day and whatnot. Uh So those were the, my two biggest nitpicks. That said, I felt like I really enjoyed the stakes. I enjoyed the ticking clock, which are the two Star Trek ideas that I've come to to expect every episode, and I thought they did both of those very well. I thought they created really cool antagonist in this episode that wasn't just bad guy they it clearly had they had their own motivations and reasons for why they we were peons in their way so i feel my feelings i'm still psyched i like the episodic nature because it means we can come back next week and do something completely different oh and i also like the the seeds they're planting with pike my worry keith was that well, we know he dies in this fiery thing, and we know this, we know that. So much we know about him. What more can we learn? What can we bring to the character too? But the way number one was talking about things, it raised the specter of: wait, might they find a different way out of yeah. this? Yeah. And 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 give everything, give the whole freaking chronology a curveball. It's not out of the realm of possibility. We don't know because we're not
0: there. But. But, here's the thing, though. To to get into exactly what you asked at the beginning, like, where is this in chronology time? If we are to accept the original series as canon, we know it's going to happen. Because we've seen it. And that they can't change what happens to Pike without diverting us into yet another universe and timeline which is still possible Uh, totally but also
1: if if not then that kind of is also the thesis of the whole series still in his plot line because he can't outrun it either (laughs) right it's it's like the writer saying we can't outrun the the established lore the canon yeah yeah so it's that's cool so yeah i'm still on board i'm still psyched i think despite all of our problems i still think i liked it better than last week I think it's... it's really? Yeah, I, I, I just... It still felt like more an episode of television than a kind of a standalone uh, proof of concept. Uh, but not much. So if last week I came in at a 78, I feel like I'm coming hard in here at a musical
0: 79. Yeah, okay. Um... Yeah, it's a fascinating. I think I had the same experience that you did. I think, um, I think when I uh, oh, good, you're gonna adjust my shoulder. No, oh, you keep cropping me, buddy. I'm I I
1: not touching anything. I can't I touch
0: anything. You're no, not? I don't. <laughs> <We laughs> you overcropped are what you are. last week. We yeah. overcropped. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I liked this episode a lot more when I first watched it than I did really breaking it down when you're not really clocking um is this gonna go anywhere right you don't really notice that some of these threads don't go anywhere mm-hmm. um until you really break it down and I and I think that that is as, as I said and you said the the weakness of this episode is threads thrown out that abandoned this episode tees up so many great ideas fascinating ideas And doesn't follow through with a lot of them. Um, And the solutions that we eventually get to aren't really tied to each other, right? The solution of this episode, you know, heating up a shuttlecraft and using it to, to, you know, melt some of the comet or or push it away using heat, is not set up at all in any other part of the episode. It is entirely a deus ex machina. We don't talk about doing that. It's not tied to the music. It's not tied to the away team at all. None of that is ever considered. It's not negotiated with the other folks. It's just sort of a, oh, here's a solution out of left field. Um, And I think that that is, each of these pieces are great, right? You're teeing up stuff I want to watch. It's really, I think that's a great solution. I love Mm -hmm. that as a solution. Um, But I would like to have that be set up by something that happened previously the the egg of it all we hatch an egg and what is, does it mean anything no there's nothing in there it's it just is just unlocks if the, that's at the best symbolism of our feelings right now is like we got we opened the egg with
1: music and there's
0: there's nothing in it there's nothing in it it was empty it looked beautiful uh-huh. but there, there really wasn't anything there um so it, you know i i think the larger theme about you know predestination is our our fates and that kind of stuff that followed through nicely i thought that was great um i love the idea that um you know the the comet had some sentience and and it was predetermined and that and i i love the sort of the monk aspect of it and these people predict all of that was great it was a great so many great elements that never really got finished it's like if you were cooking one of Riker's omelets right and you and you made all these great ingredients in the, the mise en place and You had had the little you know little little bowls of each of the flavors, and you're like, oh, that's gonna be so good when you put it all together. And then he and then he makes pancakes. I was like, oh, okay, that's all delicious, but what about all these all these wonderful ingredients here that I thought you were gonna use? Um, so I think that's it's just they needed to. Take out two of the ideas and finish the other two, mm-hmm. um, and uh, but I liked all of the ideas, right? Yeah. I liked I liked all the character work. I liked um, I liked the storytelling. It looks phenomenal. It's well acted. It's beautiful. Um, you know what? I I, I th- here's Keith tying it all together in a metaphor that this episode. Has one too many ledger lines, so it becomes incomprehensible, mm. um, and I think that's it's just a little sloppy, and and it was sloppy in some of the big ways, and I think it's sloppy in some of the in some of the little ways, and uh, could have been much much better than it was. Now, is it bad? Not at all. It is very watchable. These I, I like the characters. Um, I love the ideas. It just needs needs a little. It, it needs another pass in the writers room to sort of finish the idea. Um so at the end of all that did I enjoy it? Sure I did. I absolutely did. Um and uh but was it a a a incredibly well-written episode of Trek? No. Um it it what it was attempting to be was great. Its execution wasn't great. So uh I'm going to give it 74 Self-sealing stem bolts. Um, still very encouraging because mm-hmm. if you think about the second episode of almost every single Star Trek series, this is you know I, as I said, this this might be the best pilot of of all of Trek. It's definitely probably the second, probably the the best second episode of we're, any Star we're on Trek curve, series though, too. Because there's only eight left for the season. A hundred percent. Um. So so now I'm now I'm really so you talk about. Talk about all that. I'm gonna pull up what all the other second okay. episodes are. So listen,
1: uh, this is our second episode too, but we've got plenty of other episodes for you to watch. We do a show called "Look at My Star Trek Toys." We're head we're we're hands deep into the new uh, Playmates Star Trek Prodigy line. We're gonna be looking at more customs and other things coming up. So that check that out on the channel. Strange new show you're watching Out of Practice Podcast. Check it out on your podcast feed. It's David E. Kelly's The Practice. KM and m Geekly is our uh, weekly long-form podcast where we talk about all things geek. And then, of course, just like this show, we are watching every single episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine. We are on Season 3, Episode 10 this week. Just dropped. Back on Wednesday, check it out in your
0: feed. Uh, yeah, Keith. Yeah, good job. All right, so... Uh, second episode of Next Generation was The Naked Now. Is it better than The Naked Now? Hell yeah, it is. Is it better than past prologue of Deep Space Nine? Uh, introduced Garrick, but uh, I think it's probably better than that. Is it better than Parallax from uh, Star Trek Voyager? Eh, another one that's sort of forgettable. So I, I think, uh, I have to look up Enterprise... Uh, yeah, but I, I think it's it's definitely one of the strongest second episodes yet. So, very excited to get to the third episode, which will be back here in your feed next Friday. We're going to do the episode Ghosts of Illyria. Ooh. So, uh, hold on to your butts. I don't know what that means. Is that going to be Dr. Crusher's Candle Ghost? That would be fun. Uh, I doubt it. But the, that would be I'm excited exciting. to watch it.
1: I got I can't state enough how just how beautiful the show is how wonderful it sounds uh, on the yeah. big screen it's just incredible it, it look everything the reflections it's almost too much.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I I am super excited that uh, this yeah. this has already been a really fun journey with us here. So thank you so much for watching uh, and if you're listening on the podcast, thank you so much for finding that. Um, do us a favor tell a friend. Uh, who might enjoy a thing like this. Uh, we definitely want more and more people to watch and share and enjoy it with all of us. Be sure to leave your ratings and reviews, or uh, your stem bolts, in the YouTube comments so we can include you next week. We'll see you back here next week. Till then, this has been Strange New Show. Thank you for watching KM Entertainment. If you enjoyed our particular brand of nonsense, please like and subscribe. Or become one of our patrons at patreon.com slash KM.